Are you looking for a memorable getaway for your family that's packed with adventure? Look no further than Lake Erie. Powderhook, in partnership with the Great Lakes Fishery Commission, has all the resources you need to plan your adventure to the walleye capital of the world. The best part is, you don't have to be an experienced angler or own a boat to have a fantastic time on the water. While walleye are the main attraction, Lake Erie also offers excellent fishing for yellow perch, trout, steelhead, salmon, and bass. The options are endless, and there's so much to explore on Lake Erie. Knowledgeable and friendly fishing guides are eager to serve you. Whether you want to hire a charter, secure a seat on a headboat, fish from the shore, ice fish, or do a DIY trip on your own boat, all these options are at your disposal with a bit of planning and preparation. Find everything you need at powderhook.com. That's powderhook.com. We know what's biting and can help you enjoy a wonderful fishing experience on Lake Erie. Hey, it's Captain Justin Leet with Chasing the Sun TV. Join me and Meredith for the best fishing action along the coast of Panama City Beach. Tune in to new episodes every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. River Rats, you are listening to the River Certified Podcast with Spencer Bow and Ryan Tassler and an array of guests where we cover the fun, interesting, and sometimes rugged parts of spending life on or near the water. Yeah, I saw the kayak. And then I like I almost bought your big ice shack and then I realized I didn't have enough friends, so I didn't. <laughs> oh, my nine man. I forgot yeah, about I, that. I really kind of, I just about did and then I... Like, oh. I don't like nine people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I take them to my fishing <laughs> like, spot. If I have a one-man shack, I don't have to take anybody. I had one of those for sale, too, but I was selling everything. <laughs> yeah, so spring cleaning, decluttering the house, I have way too much crap. So in order to get new crap, I made a deal where I have to sell old crap. So that's where we're at. So if anybody wants some fishing some equipment. Some old crap. Some old, well, I, <laughs> I say crap. It's a term of endearment. It is. It is. I'm pretty excited about the, I, I might have hit a bug on the way here today. I I back before we get on that. Okay. Let's I I can't believe you sold your abus. I didn't sell I, all of them. I was shocked. I only sold a small percentage. Of it. <laughs> but I was shocked. I guess that those were the first Abu Garcias that I've ever sold. I've only ever acquired them. But I've been kind of shifting gears for flathead reels, which you has have, been the deal. But but that's that's a big milestone. That's like Is a, that a milestone? That's like a Chevy guy going to Ford. I bet a lot of people are disappointed in me selling my <laughs> office. Unless they're the ones that bought them. Because they right. were pretty fair priced. <laughs> if if I didn't have enough reels, I I would have bought them. But Isn't it funny how some things sell super fast and some things take forever? Like I figured those yeah. reels would be gone like that. I mean, my kayak was gone in four hours. My ice shack or my ice sled was I had five, six, seven, eight messages within the first five minutes of me posting up my Iceland. Yeah, if it doesn't I, sell I the number first one. day. <laughs> no, you were not number one, oh, but oh. You, you got the buddy treatment. So. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, if it doesn't sell the first day, you're you're wrong in your price. Yeah, yeah. except like. I sold these reels on the third day. Uh, well, so <laughs> there goes that idea. Here, th- this is our expert talking, right? <laughs> Not an expert in but salesmanship. If you sell it the first day, then you're wrong on your price because you're yeah, way you're too, too low. low. 
So you could never be right. Third day is probably the perfect yeah. day to sell it. And <laughs> I would see? say your God price dang is right. it, you're good. Finally, <laughs> something we can agree on. <laughs> Back to the bugs. Back to the I think bugs I hit a bug brain. on the way here, and it reminded me of like the worst experiences I've ever had in bugs with bugs. You know, I love life. spring. But that's the worst part by far. There are spring, summer. Come out. Well, that's a be- what's one thing I love about fall. It's yeah. just like they disappear. Where do they go? I don't care. They're gone. <laughs> not care. Somebody else's problem. <laughs> I don't know. I've had t- so many like that. That lightning and mosquitoes are about the only things that'll make me go home. And there's lots of ways to deal with uh, the mosquitoes. Not very many to deal with lightning, other than just go home. <laughs> but. Uh, and I've learned those. Smartest but, route anyway. Well, absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes you get caught in it. I've heard if you grab your ankles and kiss that's your ass goodbye. That's what you're supposed to do <laughs> in a lightning storm. <laughs> I'll tuck that one away. Don't be worried, Bill. Next on River Certified. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, man. Like, uh, I don't know. People talk about northern mosquitoes. Like, in Canada, they're as big as helicopters and they'll carry you away, but... Spending some time on the coast, I think they might be worse down there. Well, I think any coast, like uh, Sitka, Alaska, I had a buddy that lived up there, and he sent me a picture, and their mosquitoes are huge. Well, it's, there, it's there is more the than coast. one species of a mosquito, right? But they all suck. <laughs> I don't care like, what species Literally and I am not racist in mosquitoes. They all suck. Well, that wouldn't be race. <laughs> That'd be, you'd be speciesist. <laughs> Call it what you want. <laughs> I still don't like those stupid things. I will smash every one of them. I don't know, man. Like down on Padre, there was one, this was the worst night on Padre that I remember. The mosquitoes were terrible, but it's one thing for the mosquitoes to be terrible, and then you can like hide in a tent or put a bunch of clothes on and bug spray, and they'll stay away. But I don't know what people know about Padre, where. During the summer, and with all the humidity, the temperature doesn't change much. So it would be like, no joke, a high of a 98 to 102-ish regularly, and then you have a low of a very relieving 91 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> so the sun goes down, and it just feels like you're in a sauna. And while you're in the sauna, you're being swarmed by hundreds and thousands of mosquitoes. And that night I was out there, I was just stubborn shark fishing by myself, which is not smart because what if you hook a 10 footer, then you have to handle it by yourself. And then you either get hurt or the shark dies and it's just a lose, lose. But I was doing it because I was 21 years old and possessed and to go really shark didn't fishing. Care. <laughs> well, I, I, ca- I cared. I just cared about my desire to go shark fishing more. It's kind of selfish. Not much has changed, but a little bit has changed. I would have called a buddy. Anyway, it's a 1,000 degrees out at night, and I'm getting swarmed by those mosquitoes, and I put on rubber boots, put on uh, thick uh, jeans, uh, two T-shirts, a sweatshirt, put my hat on, pull my hood up, and cinch my hood down as tight as it would possibly go, and then cram... Saunaed it. (laughs) I mean, I was in a sauna (laughs) and wearing all that. Straight back to the wrestling room. (laughs) Yeah, you guys actually cut weight. I didn't cut weight. (laughs) I kind of cut weight in high school, but I honestly don't know if I would have made it in college had uh, I had to cut weight. I didn't have to cut in college. I was a natural 25-pounder. That's insane. It sucked when you were wrestling against somebody, <laughs> but it was pretty nice to not cut. Against guy that was 45. You yeah. just proof yeah. there was upside to everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I used to feel bad for guys like you, but I was a 230-pound heavyweight. <laughs> 
So instead of weighing the exact same, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is so much bigger than me. Even though we weigh the exact same, the guys that I wrestled were literally 50 pounds heavier than me. <laughs> that was at weigh-in time. There were more like 70, probably. The I mean, it's heavyweight. It's not like, well, some guys. Some, some of them. There's some a couple of heavyweights have to cut. Tell you what, though, if I had to pick between do I want to wrestle a guy who's like 6'5", cutting to make 285, or wrestle a guy who's 6'5", 235, and lanky and athletic, give me that big fat guy (laughs) every time. I wouldn't even think twice about it. And even if it's muscle, because then his cardio is going to Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, those tall, lanky guys are... They gave me fits. Well, I've got nothing to gauge them off of well even, my stuff and their it, stuff aren't the same stuff yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> even a guy who's like <clears throat> even a guy who's like 245 and just shredded but short and stocky yeah I, I would gladly wrestle that guy anybody i have a length advantage on i felt great i don't care how strong they are but then you give me that long lanky guy it's gonna be a long well, they just they wrestle different too because they can do different things well and they can, can move you know, and they can cut corners quicker, not just because they're usually athletic, right. but because because they they have that length. No, you know they they get they get to that point faster than someone who's shorter, going and, the same speed. And on top, they have so many more weapons that they can use their yeah. leverage and length for. It's so much harder to get away from a twelve foot wingspan. Than yeah, a I never cradled wingspan. anybody. Yeah, because <laughs> no. it wasn't an option. No. We believe you, Bill. <laughs> Nobody can see what I see, but I'm <laughs> sitting here talking to a couple yeah. short ex wrestlers. Ryan and I are about the same height. Yeah. So. At least yeah. five foot two, maybe yeah. five three. <laughs> Not that, a whole lot of cradle record <laughs> or legs going on. A I, bit. That's the cool thing about wrestling, though, right? You can take any different body type and be successful. Right. Mm-hmm. But the moral of this story is if you are taller than me, I'm not going to fight you. You're not even going to fight him? No. Sounds like chicken. Anybody? <laughs> I mean, it depends on how much I've been drinking, probably, but that's just a good general rule. So, if you mind. ever want to mug Mr. Power, I just that's when I'm wearing my drywall stilts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fighting anyone. Those days are long gone. I just get myself in trouble and get mad at myself if I did something stupid like that. So, anyway, back to the bugs. Back to the bugs. Oh, yeah. What's uh Ryan? What's like your worst bug experience? Chiggers. That's not an experience. That's an insect. I know, but just the fear of the word chigger <laughs> just makes your hair on your neck stand when, up. When I was younger, we always my grandmother lived seven miles away. So when my mom and dad finally took a night to go out and do something by themselves, we'd go to grandma's. So our day at grandma's you always knew that all the fence lines that had to get weeded that was job number one before anything else we got to shoot rabbits and have some fun after but our number one job we were going to go pull all the weeds in the fence line which was torture i don't hmm. i'm not sure the count per inch of chiggers in her yard but it was high it's like she's feeding them it, it, <laughs> they were just waiting there for me you could see the grass <laughs> she kind of was feeding them sending you guys <laughs> out there the grass would part way and just lead a path to right where their nest was it it was horrible and there's nothing like a eight-year-old with chigger bites in the ball sackle region (laughs) (laughs) that will drive you crazy for days is is that term in the webster's dictionary (laughs) 
Maybe the Western West. <laughs> we should start a wait. What, ball sickle. Ball sackle region. Ball sackle region. We should start a petition to get that on Wikipedia. Did you have a ball sickle like two weeks ago when it was minus forty degrees? Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Uh, I, I narrowly avoided it. Ryan didn't. He's got a heated jacket now. I, I did. You Thanks know you're fancy when you can it. plug in your jacket. How does that work? It's got a battery pack, and it's it's got a heated pockets, and it also has heated wires in the front and the back. So. Oh, for Pete's sake. Yeah. You're yeah. so fancy. Are you afraid you're going to get soft? Well, I'm already soft. <laughs> I mean, I'm Just more round softer. than I used to be. But, but no, my boss, that's awesome. boss got that for me, and it's pretty freaking sweet. Oh, that's great. So, I've gonna, used it once. I don't know if I'll use it again, but I did use it once, and it was nice. Bill, I'm going to bet your worst bug experience was detasseling corn. Uh, no, I've All never, right. I've never detailed. You're wrong. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> reach the Somebody tassels. <laughs> oh, <laughs> says the other short guy. Right. In the room. Um, I don't remember my worst. I do remember uh, Fort Leonard Wood after after high school. I joined the army and <clears throat> went down there for a while. And they bred them down there. Like, <laughs> they were just everywhere. You want to be tough? This is where you have to get tough. <laughs> and the drill sergeants would just, like, just to be mean, they would, if they caught you scratching them, you would be doing push ups. Like, seriously. You just couldn't do it. And then they would, you know, they'd, like, roll their socks down and they'd just be scratching them. They looked like they were in heaven, you know. <laughs> and then piss you off so bad. And, uh, but yeah, that was, that was probably my favorite bug story i didn't know you're ex-military yeah spent a little time in there oh i'm learning all kinds of stuff today yeah so if anyone's wondering who we're talking to me and ryan are talking to bill frederick and i don't know i don't want to say anything else i'll let you introduce yourself all right uh bill frederick uh jefferson native grew up maybe like eight years behind ryan something like that but we uh Went to a lot of wrestling tournaments together, and he was coaching when I was in high school a little bit, and uh, and yeah, spent a lot of time wrestling, and and through family stuff, we got to know each other, and um, yeah, I farm in the south half of the county, and have cows, and and work with my family there, and then a buddy of mine and I started a cover crop business there, twenty fourteen, I believe, uh, so. That's kind of what we have going on right now. Going on seven years. Yeah, it's kind of surreal. My math skills are on par. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa Cover Crop, that's the name of it. Right? Iowa Cover Give Crop. Give yourself yep. a little plug. Yep. What, uh, you guys are doing some All right, things. so you're running a business, a Cover Crop crop business, which I didn't even know that type of business was such a thing. What service or goods are you providing? Yes, yeah, pretty niche Uh um, so we do seed sales and then we do custom application of cover crops, which are just uh, kind of designed to shorten the fallow period in in fields. So we go in. Wait, let's back up. Fallow. Fallow, like uh, uh, inactive. Okay. Right? okay. So like, That's what I assume, but sure. assuming usually gets me in trouble. Yeah, you... So you, <laughs> you you He's plant just your beans. Start using fallow in a daily. Right. <laughs> That's not what that means. <laughs> Wipe that fallow look off your face. Did you mean fallow? So fallow. 
so like you plant your corn, you plant your beans in April, May usually, and then you harvest October, let's say. And so you've got six, seven months growing season, and the rest, there's just nothing going on. So there's there's no soil biology really active on that on that time frame. And so we will go around and we will, uh, most of our work is chasing airplanes, and we blow seed on um, usually rye seed or oats, mm-hmm. and we'll fly them on late August, early September, and they'll start to grow, and then people will combine, and behind the combine, it'll look like a golf course. You know, it'll just be nice, bright green, lush. There's stuff going on there instead of that brown soil that just looks like it's not doing anything. Um, and so that'll uh, that'll grow into you know until the hard frost sets, and and you know if it's oats, it'll just die off and be done, and if it's rye, it'll it'll just go dormant, and then it'll wake up in the spring again, and you know, you get some 60-degree days like today, and that rye will start to wake up, and it will start going to work, and the roots will start growing, and the, the all the microbes in the soil and stuff will start feeding off of off of that carbon exchange. And, and uh, yeah, so it's uh, kind of, I, I don't know, it's, it's meant as a uh, erosion uh, and control that, tactic. And that's what I was getting at. So you're so, talking erosion control, which is good for the farmer. It's good for a lot of things. But in addition to that, you talk about the nutrient exchange. So I, that'd be an so additional benefit. Nitrogen so, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good for the soil. It's or, sorry, for the nitrogen w- fixing. Right, uh, right. Yeah. Well, just elaborate a little more on that. Like, how is that a benefit to a farmer? <clears throat> just assume that people listening to this are not farmers or they're as unintelligent as I am. Sure. They're not really, but let's you just hope you have to make yeah. a stretch. For that yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like the benefit to the farmer, besides just kind of being a good neighbor and, and not losing your nutrients all into the raccoon river is it, you know, with that increased soil biology, you know, you've got, you've got increased diversity down in your soil basically. Um, and so it's going to be a more active, more healthy soil. So when you say increased biology, I'm assuming you're talking about like microorganisms mostly, right, yeah. and probably insects. That- there, there's more organisms in living in the soil than there are above ground. And that so. helps a farmer that increased like, you know, um, you know, just more critters yeah, in the just- soil. How, soil. How's that beneficial to a farmer? Uh, it just kind of creates a healthy habitat. It's, it's it's we've spent a lot of time as farmers kind of trying to fight nature and trying to like rise above it and show that we're the king king shit there. And and as we learn more and more, we're finding out that uh, uh, kind of working simpatico with with nature is maybe a more sustainable way of doing it. So sure. so you have the potential to. Uh, reduce your nutrient that you have to apply which saves the farmer yeah. money right and it also so like rye is a really competitive plant um and so if you leave that rye going and then you plant your beans into it and then you know burn it down with roundup or something you have a an incredible amount of weed suppression so you can really cut back on your chemicals too uh when when you use it correctly so like there's there's a ton of benefits that are there and it's close um there's still a ton of research being done because it's a relatively new uh 
uh, new old concept. People were doing it in like the 30s, and then it kind of fell out when when industrial ag kind of took over. So and now it's coming back. Are there any benefits that directly impact the consumer, the end consumer? What would they see? Anything? Um, or is it just minimal enough to the point where it only really affects the farmer? As in, like, the person that is eating the cows. The, sure. Um, other than just knowing that it's raised in a more sustainable way. Like, I don't think it's going to taste different. Um, no, no. It t- might. Or cost difference? It'll probably be... Hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Like, you're not, you're not going to see... Uh, Steaks go down in price in the grocery store because of it. Now, that being said, me using cover crops, I can raise cattle more cost effectively than my neighbors can that aren't. So you're seeing the I'm price going to, and if I like you, I might buy you dinner or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that um, money, I mean, you can make the argument that money feeds back in the economy one way or another. So it does benefit everyone from that respect, but. The environmental aspect, like why, why, uh, what am I thinking of? Like, why, why would so? This is all fishermen on here. Why, why wouldn't, why would a fisherman care about this? Um, yeah, so I think we've had to, as as people in general, but especially farmers, we've had to kind of think about who our neighbors are in this world. You know, like. 50 years ago, our neighbor was the guy down the road. Yeah. Um, and that's who we felt like our farm had the potential to affect, you know, negatively or positively. And right now, when my soil erodes and I lose a shit ton of phosphorus and it heads into the Raccoon River and the Raccoon River heads into the Des Moines. Yep, the Des Moines. Des Moines, Des Moines goes to the Mississippi. Yep. And that goes into the Gulf of Mexico. And we have in the Gulf of Mexico, this huge hypoxia zone, right, where where there's phosphorus and, and nitrogen overload, and it's creating tremendous algae blooms, and it's choking out everything else. And so mm-hmm. there's this place in the Gulf called the dead zone, and it just can't sustain any, you know, fish, shrimp, whatever these guys are fishing. Anything alive. And yeah. it's, it's drastically affecting fishermen's lives in the Gulf. And so now, like, that guy in the Gulf is my neighbor that I'm yeah. screwing over. Your ear tag, because you're an Iowa farmer that's, sure. you know, raising cattle and corn. But the, right. the difference in reach and just the awareness of how those things affect everybody, it's just, you know, knowledge is power. And it's cool right. that you're doing something about mm-hmm. it. And even locally speaking, like us folks in the Midwest, you know, um, I see algae blooms in the different mm-hmm. waterways around mm-hmm. here, and I'm sure they're a result, at least in some part, to farming. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my initial impression, I just want to hear what you had to say. I love the idea of cover crops. I love the idea of reducing erosion and leaching. Well, would it affect leaching of, of any nutrients into uh, Yeah, it, it kind of captures. And just um, for the record, leaching is like <clears throat> when you have nutrients in the soil and they um, flow. With underwater or underground water, and then they spread out from there, oftentimes running into creeks and streams and stuff. So our our big nutrient problems um, are phosphorus and nitrogen. Mm -hmm. Phosphorus binds to the soil. So when you get surface runoff where you see, you know, big gullies being 
produced in these fields because soil is washing away. That's all carrying phosphorus. Right? Sure. And nitrogen binds to water, right? So the other cool thing that cover crops do is, you know, you see this green plant on the top and you can see, you know, four or five inches when it's first going and it's pretty small. But underneath that is, you know, five, six feet of roots. And that is all, you know, it's digging holes um, and it's capturing nutrients, it's capturing water, it's holding water. And it's uh, like that's that's where most of our nutrient loss comes from is water is hitting the ground too fast and then leaving too mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. So it, it increases the amount of uh, filtra- infiltration that, that your soil can hold. So it can hold a lot more water because it has this root mass and it's got this living biology that's creating this ecosystem down there that that uh, is capable of holding more water. So you're going to lose less nitrogen as well because that nitrogen binds to the water. I mean, you so. you have me sold. I mean, the idea of having clear water, having water with less sedimentation, uh, it'd be improved spawning habitat for a variety of different species of fish, both game fish, minnow species, and you know, a bunch of fish that most people haven't heard of, myself included. Uh, I mean, I just think it'd be good for a ton of reasons. And then you don't have the algae blooms, you don't have the uh, blue green algae that right. can like poison dogs and then impact the wildlife living in and around that water. It's just a win. Win, 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 It win. is a win, win. You know, the going to get less soil compaction, more, mm-hmm. more nutrients in the soil. I but mean, it's, why doesn't every farmer do it? <laughs> uh, how many farmers listen to this? I don't know. <laughs> Nobody listens to <laughs> this. Nobody. Nobody listens um, to this at all. I, I mean, it's, uh, the two big reasons are it costs money. So it costs when we cost custom- going to cost money that you're not going to make back. Um, is it an investment or is it an expense? The problem, the problem with cover crops is it's a payoff in 10 years and it's a payoff in 20 years and it's a payoff in 40 years. And that's not how people's brains work. They, yeah. They want so when I when I put ten more pounds of nitrogen on, I can roughly do the math and say that should, if all other things are equal, get me ten more bushels of corn, five dollars corn. That's fifty dollars an acre. If I farm a thousand acres, that's fifty thousand acres, fifty thousand dollars that I right. just profited. I put cover crops on, and I build soil, and I build soil, and I build soil, and I'm. I'm more resilient. So like in droughts, I handle the drought better In floods. I handle the floods better. Uh, but I don't know what that weather is going to be in 10 years. Yeah. And I, I can assume, you know, if, if global warming is a real thing, the weather is going to get more drastic. And I think we've kind of seen that in the last 10 years. Um, and so I need to be more prepared for those big swings in weather. But you're going to pay for it, and you're, you're not going to see an obvious return on investment. No one is going to put a dollar in your pocket. You're just, yeah, it's there. It's just so hard to measure. And so I don't even, I, I rarely even talk about how much money people are going to get back when yeah. I'm trying to sell it to somebody. Because it's, yeah, I believe it's there, but it's so hard to prove. Yeah. You can't quantify <laughs> yeah. it. It's not like money in, money out type right. deal. right. I don't know, man. Like you, you still have me sold, but I'm not a farmer. I'm not making yeah. money on farming. <laughs> so, so the good thing about the cost is um, there's a ton of government programs because they're pushing it hard because sure. they want to fix the problem. And 
pretty much all of the acres that we do are 90 plus percent covered by uh, subsidy. Really? Wow. So like, did you have a hand in, I mean, you got some awards and we'll get to, I mean, you can talk sure. about them now. You can, we can get to them later. You have accolades. Accol- yep. Did you, yeah. did you have your hand in any of the development of these government programs too, or um, your influence carry over there at all? Or? I don't know that I'm that big of a deal, but you are to me. <laughs> well, I mean, sorry. I mean, us. I'll speak for Ryan on this. You right are in the heart. <laughs> right in the heart. We work with a pretty great network of, of people that are, um, Oh, like Sarah Carlson at Practical Farmers of Iowa, which is a great advocacy group, and she's probably the foremost expert of cover crops in Iowa. Why and didn't sh- we get her? Yeah, no, <laughs> you could have done better. We, we like to go with Plan B <laughs> as our Plan A. B as in Bill. <laughs> but uh, she, you know, she does a ton of lobbying and and stuff in the state house, and she's always in the Secretary Vag's ear and and just leaning on him hard and. Um, yeah, I mean, it takes a, a village. So, like, you know, when she needs somebody with, some like, <laughs> <laughs> when she takes, when she she's talking to uh, the governor or somebody and she needs some, like, real-world uh, input on a business that's succeeding um, in this field and creating jobs in a rural environment and stuff like that, and um, she'll pull in one of these companies and and say, hey, this is not just something that's good for water quality and good for soil quality, which is kind of a hard sell to a lot of politicians. Yeah. Um, but when you can say, hey, this is creating jobs and creating a lot of money movement in in rural Iowa, like, that speaks to people. So. Yeah. So I are guess, there, are there other interested. cover crop businesses? No. So they just... <laughs> so <it's> just <laughs> the only one to call is Iowa Cover Crop. No, no, and no. Everyone else you and who, who else is involved in that? Uh, James Holtz. He was a, a classmate of mine in high okay. school. Um, and so you guys are it. Yeah, we're it. Uh, yeah. Don't even bother Googling anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> you can try. <laughs> no, there's a handful, and that's kind of what's cool about it is, uh, you know, James and I are just farmers, and we don't know shit about the seed industry, right? And we started this seven years ago, and we've just been trying to, figure our way out and learn you know as much as we can as fast as we can because the guys that we're competing against are these you know nationwide seed companies they're they're goliaths you know they 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 have hundreds of employees and that's who we're going to -to toe-to-toe against which is fun for me you know like me and ryan have always been the smallest guy in the room you know and we're not used to backing down either so like it's kind and of i've been used to squishing little but this industry is so niche that like we've kind of been able to outmaneuver these big com- companies and compete with them uh and it's it's been a lot of fun like, well you have a lot more or a lot fewer many many less moving parts so you can get going in one direction or the other right. and change directions really quick, I suppose. Yeah, right. and when we want to make a sale, we don't have to call our supervisor who runs it up the ladder to see if we should do this. We you just get it do done. it. Yeah. And that's a higher priority for you than those big companies. You know, they're they're selling exactly. corn, they're selling soybeans, you know, cover crops way down the list on priorities. Yeah, James and I have always kind of laughed that we've we've kind of picked up the breadcrumbs from all these big companies and and it's been a great deal. It's for still us. Brit. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um, 
it's it's kind of fun but there are you know there the the cool thing about it is there's a lot of just local farmers that have a a grain drill or something and and they find a little seed and they go into the custom application business and you know it it's a lot easier to start a grassroots business in this section of the market than there than in the corn and bean like i'm not yes. gonna yeah. i'm not gonna go against monsanto well it's not as saturated <laughs> too you have these goliaths but there's not 12 goliaths it, yeah exactly no. and it's it's new it's emerging the 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 cover crop usage is growing quickly so there's more space made every year you know so and like you said the the idea of it is old school yeah but the technology in it is growing and growing and growing and you know you started in a good spot where you're growing with it right you know? You got in, and and now every every farm that you go talk to from here on, you've got those seven years of knowledge to bring in, you know, actual facts other than right. this is going to help you. Yeah, <laughs> we were really fortunate in our timing. We got out of college in '09, and at that time, James and I's dads were both using cover crops, and they were probably they might have been two of the five people in the county that were using them. You know, like it was hot off the press. Um, and so our timing was really good and to no fault of our own, but, um, why should we listen to anything you say? I, <laughs> I can't think of a single reason. Well, you said you, <laughs> right. you, you've won awards for this. I didn't know you could win awards for this. For farming. That's what <laughs> you summed it up right there. Like, what do you win? Uh, so the, you are number one in something in farming. <laughs> Do you get like a, a medal? Recently? Yeah. You stand on a podium. A podium there's a, there's a March, uh, a parade of champions. And then, um, <laughs> it was just mainly around the Frederick farm though. That's yeah. Everybody's got their cow leading behind them. So, uh, no. So the last one we were involved in, uh, was pretty cool. It, it was a farm bureau sponsored, uh, contest, um, it's uh, the Grow Your Future Award, I believe it was called, and it was all um, guy or uh, people under thirty-five that had young startup businesses, um, and they started out. I don't remember how many they started out with, but eventually whittled it down to the top six uh, young businesses, and then ended up voting us to be the the main business so because the rest of them sucked i mean it, yeah they were just it. pitiful I mean, um <laughs> what were you who are you competing against uh, no, lo- actually a lot of really cool businesses and it and it's you know it's just a great way to highlight all these young entrepreneurs because yeah, the, the biggest problem is you know when you're starting at, you, you're you've got a young burgeoning business and kind of uh, the the hardest part <laughs> is building that initial base right sure uh and and so it's just a way to highlight people and push them out into you know it was in the in the spokesman and you know all these statewide publications and and uh, so we were against uh, some pretty cool people like um, some some local uh, like farm to table meat uh, businesses you know you they're raising cattle and they're butchering and then they're like you know like uh, Omaha steak style sending them mm-hmm. all across the country. Mm-hmm. Which is the best way? To well, that's kind of becoming a big deal. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be. Yeah, it's it's huge and growing, and and people are loving it. Um, so and Bill's going to drop off a half a half a beef for us for doing this podcast. <laughs> well, we're going to talk I'm, about his cows here in a little bit. I don't thought you I was being paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
you're just <laughs> you're as drinking much as we are right now. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, a, a, a huge, a pretty diverse mix of businesses. Uh, some lady has a uh, a horse camp for for disadvantaged or. Um, um, kids and well, she should have beat you then. She had a I mean, way better story. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like I wasted my vote again. We we definitely were surprised <laughs> that we won because there were so many really high quality businesses and and great people involved that we feel pretty lucky. Do you feel like this adds credibility? What you're saying at all? Um, real talk. Like, don't be the it, the bashful, the humble, the take it for what it is. Do you think it adds credibility to what you say or not? And why? Because I'm up in the air myself. I want you to pitch me one way or the other. Um, He's a sucker for Jap lizards. So just, <laughs> <laughs> just toss it. Do I think and that that's... Do I think that that one... Or is there one that does? Uh, so I... I, I don't, you tell me about that one, and then you tell me if there's one that does. Yeah, I think I, I think it definitely does because it, it, throughout that process, like we met with uh, Farm Bureau finance people and like small business uh, authority finance people. Um, I'm looking at it from like, an environmental standpoint, though, not a fiscal standpoint. Oh, uh, sure. Well, I, I mean, kind of hand in hand. It's nice. So, like, the thing that I get excited about that is uh, this is an environmental business like like it's it's trying to do better for the environment right and it's making money yeah it's it's not an either or and i think a lot of people always think like okay you can either help the environment or you can make money and i that's maybe my favorite thing about this business is that i can do i can do the thing i believe in and make money doing it and that's why that niche is started well because 15 years ago maybe even a little more than that 15 years ago there was starting to be right a levy towards you know, thinking about the environment, thinking about people downstream. Sure, but it's, that niche has definitely grown in the last ten years or so. And, and to so, like to that point, this this uh, contest was through Iowa Farm Bureau, right. who's a notorious um, "do not regulate my farm" uh, advocacy group. Like, don't just leave me alone. And that also kind of goes hand in hand with. Uh, don't push any conservation onto my farmers, yes. right? Yeah. And so the fact that they are, uh, they're kind of starting to promote cover crops more and and the fact that they chose us when they could have just ignored us and, and went a different direction tells me that these big industries are realizing that it's, it's coming yeah, and they need to get on, on board with it. So does this add credibility? To me personally? From an environmental standpoint. Um, no, no, <laughs> well, no I, I don't, I don't think like, I, I don't think, um, any environmental change takes so many steps and processes. No, and I'm just thinking of maybe like, it does. I don't know. adding credibility to you as an individual for people to listen to. Like we're talking about credentials. We're talking about awards. This we're award not talking this podcast because nobody, yeah. nobody's looking at credentials. Right. <laughs> well, I'm just saying like, just if there's something that adds more to what you're saying. Sure. That- yeah. I, I mean, we have gotten a lot of phone calls from, this experience um so our business is going to grow off of it mm-hmm. now whether that is you know from environmentalists or not or environmentally conscious farmers 
I don't know. Okay. And then the big big picture, it really doesn't matter because you have more people like it or not. Yeah. The environmental outcome is going to come from it. Exactly. I'm just thinking public but, support because I, I totally support the idea. I love the idea. Right. We've talked about water quality enhancement and stuff, but there's always going to be a naysayer, and I want to hear something that you could leverage against what the other person has to say because it sounds good, 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 and good, and I haven't heard anything bad, and I can't right. think of anything bad, but there is always something bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not a silver bullet, right? Like, it's not going to solve our our nutrient problem, right? But it but will slow it down? It will slow it down. Yeah. And, and also, it's, it's changing the way people talk about farming, right? So, like, Farm Bureau, uh, I, I don't know if you guys pay attention to, like, the Des Moines Waterworks lawsuit. So hold on, we'll get yours before I forget this. It takes me yeah, back yeah. to my favorite watershed story from growing up. There was a little creek where I used there to. There I was. Yeah, there I was. <laughs> back back when I was just a youngster, um, I was walking this creek bank, and this farmer would farm all the way to the edge of this bluff, um, this clay bluff. It wasn't uh, which even is common practice. At the common end. practice, yeah. and it was on a turn in the river, and this is a heavily channelized river, like straightened out for. 10 to 15 miles and this is one wiggle right in the middle of this so you have this heavily tiled spot to fish it was (laughs) you're not joking it was and everything was really tiled and when it shot up it shot up and when it dropped Mm -hmm. it dropped like a rock because of all the water being funneled in and all the river yanked out hold on hold on yeah so on this squiggle that you farmed right to the edge and over the course of just the duration when i was in junior high and high school that bank which was like 15 years <laughs> <laughs> that farmer lost 10 to 20 feet of farmable area and then when i went back there a couple years ago he finally put a buffer strip in there and if he would have just put it in there to begin with he would have been farming the same area that he is exactly. now and not losing <clears throat> any more ground he lost 20 to at least 20 30 40 feet of land yeah yeah. Plus okay. the buffer strip now. So and your hole's filled up. <laughs> no, no. That water gets ripping in there so fast because it it's so it channel, channelized it doesn't right. matter. It keeps scouring it out. Right. Yeah, I have a uh, hundred stories like that. But uh, when you said squiggles, like the thing that came to my mind, and I heard this statistic a long time ago, so... Um, what I'm about to tell you is not true because I don't remember the numbers. Okay. But <laughs> we're going to paraphrase. <laughs> Some, something to the effect that, that the, uh, y- you know, we have added to the tops of these streams, um, like, let's call it 250 miles of streams through tiling uh, fields. We've, we've made the tops of the stream further north, right? Because we're pushing more water into that stream. But we've also channelized it, and we've taken out all of those squiggles. Wiggles? Wiggles. Squiggles. Yeah. Bends. Turns. And so the the actual average length of streams in Iowa. It's Yeah, it's like basically a wash. There's 10 miles, or, you know, there's five miles added to the north, but the stream is the same length because the squiggles are gone. Straight line. And that's what, like, it kind of comes back to you know, slowing down that water. And when you have a straight line, you can go 10 times faster than if you're zigzagging. Right. right? And that's where all of our nutrient problems are getting screwy is just water being too fast through the system. Well, I mean, I get why farmers did it. 
it, yeah. it's more effective to, or it's nicer to be able to just combine a straight line, drive a tractor in a straight line. Um, you know, anytime you turn a big machine, I mean, there's going to be things that change and you'll, I'm assuming you, well, I'm not even going to pretend like I'm an expert there, but it just seems to make sense on paper to me why, why they did it. But yeah. But again, like that guy that you were talking about, you know, if he'd have seen what it was going to do in 10 years, he did. That. He wouldn't. Have, he, yeah. yeah. My fourteen-year-old self knew what it was going to do in ten years. Yeah, but but when you're looking at when you're looking at okay, I'm paying rent on two hundred and forty-three sure. acres. When you're talking money, and you're I'm already, not going to farm two hundred and forty acres because that's you know that's three times two fifty that I'm throwing away. Right. Yeah. But and that's why if you no can look ten years into the future, yeah. Yeah. like. Some people are more capable than others of doing. But it's not affecting my wallet. You see it to wash. It's easy for me to look at that and not right. push the line. But that's, I totally get That's it. why it's hard yeah. to sell cover crafts to those people because it's it's l- still losing them money, but but in a good year when they can actually harvest that, they're going to make money on it that one year. Right. And they're going to say, wow, what about next year? Maybe right, we'll this do it is again. your chance. Right. Pitch me. I'm the grumpy, angry. Well, oh, all right, not man. grumpy, angry. I feel like that paints a real negative light. I'm a skeptic, skeptical yeah. farmer. You are you are 50 years old. Well, we don't have to profile people. No, it's like I, <laughs> right, I if people. I'm gonna if I'm gonna make a sale to cover crops, eight out of ten it's gonna be somebody under the age of 40, okay. or over the age of 65 because they used to do it that way, right? And that middle group has been has been into this same system for so long that it's tough. So I'm assuming the ones over 65 have been in the system for longer. Right, but but they started doing it kind of like we're trying to get back to. Oh, so when six the the older generation, the guys who are like on the verge of retirement, or the guys who just will never retire, the guys that yeah, exactly, the guys that are 85. You know, we used to raise a ton of oats in Iowa. We don't raise hardly any anymore, right? um, Because corn and beans took over. We got all these sweet new chemicals where all we have to do is sit in a tractor, blow the chemicals on, uh-huh. and it just makes it incredibly easy. So we we took the diversity out of our, our farming system. Okay. And and those people in that middle group are so used to that mm-hmm. that it's a tough sell for them. All right. So you're pitching that middle group right there. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hope you have cows, right? I have cows. Perfect. Yeah. Because you can graze those cover crops and you're going to make money. Okay. Year to year. If you don't have cows, uh, it's a it's a harder sell because then you're going back into no, that. No, you're not explaining. Term. You got to pitch me right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I have cows. Hey, hey, Spencer. Yeah. Uh, what do you, you want? Do you like? <laughs> I'm busy. Do, do you like money? Uh, yeah, that's why this conversation is going to be short. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here, I got this service. I will put cover crops on for you. For thirty dollars an acre. Now, hear me out. It's going to cost you thirty bucks an acre, but I know how you can get twenty-five dollars an acre from the government, and you can get ten dollars an acre from Pepsi to plant cover crops. Okay, how long Netting is it going to take, though? Like, how much crap am I going to have to put up with? Here, it sounds great. Sounds here's, wonderful. Here's what you're going to do. I'm going to email you the applications for these cash share programs. Are you going to fill them out, too? Because I'm busy. I am not going to fill them out. <laughs> you're going to get off your ass and you're do it yourself. <laughs> is that part of your pitch? Uh, it, that, if it was yeah. that point, yeah, it probably would be. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, if you're savvy about the uh, cash share 
you can get it more than paid for. Um, and that's the cool thing. So like I mentioned Pepsi, there's some private companies getting in that want to offset their carbon footprint. Oh. And well, so, I, they, so backtrack just yeah. a second. You you pitch me, you won. Or not one. Like, you got the sale. Um, but I was hearing a deal about how there's some companies that can invest money to reduce their carbon footprint into different programs. Just I, don't, I mean, I think it's a good thing. On their end, I manage just to make themselves feel or look better, but the end result is something good. So um, I, there's more to it, and I wish my memory wasn't Man. so fuzzy. But uh, uh, So the, that's big, cool. that's the cool. big thing that's going to be pushing our industry is uh, carbon credit trading. That's it. That's what it's which called, is carbon credit trading. Yep. Like, uh, especially with the new administration, there's a lot, like, it's coming, and, yeah. and yeah. everybody knows it, right? And... So, like, right now, I can go through my local co-op and I can sell the carbon credits that I've gained by using sustainable practices like no-till and cover crops. Um, and I can sell them to, right now, Microsoft is buying, right? So, I, I have, I'm in this unique position where I can take money out of this multinational corporation and put it into my pocket by doing something But Microsoft isn't changing how they do anything. No. They're just giving money away to people who do things correctly. They might be. So, I mean, most of the instances that I heard about through the carbon credit deal is that companies are doing some things, and in addition to, they are also paying money to reduce their carbon, or the carbon footprint of other things. Yeah, I mean, they're going to try to get more efficient so that they don't have to buy so many carbon credits to offset their load. But I'm sure that there are some companies or Well, I mean, if you're in manufacturing, you're going to have a carbon footprint. So you need to be able to offset that. And it's it's going to be a a commodity that farmers are going to sell. In in five years, they're going to make as much money selling carbon as they are corn. That fast? I think so. Five years is... So everything's going to switch over to no-till cover crops... I think there's uh, going to be a CRP? huge yeah because yeah there'll be a lot of we're CRP. We're going to be riding in Bill's yacht. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the raccoon river. On the raccoon river. As long as you have a rod rack in the back, I'm in. <laughs> no, I mean it, it's it is it's really exciting, um, and it and it's a good way. Like I I'm a, I'm a small government guy kind of, and I like I like that it's going to put the responsibility of paying for this stuff into private hands and take it out of government subsidies um the government subsidy kind of got it rolling and now it's it's going to take over and it's going to become privatized and it's going to be a good deal it's kind I of think. ironic that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, years from now. <laughs> it's just kind of ironic um that i mean take it how you want you say you're a small government guy but your pitch was the government subsidy thing yeah yeah it's uh so are you hoping that eventually it evolves to $25 from Pepsi? So like I mean and I don't want to talk about politics but like I I don't have a political party because I don't uh I'm like I I agree with about 50% of both parties, right? And I I want the government to be as minimal as possible, but also there is a place for it, right? Mm-hmm. And that place is getting these startup industries off and running 
especially when they are, you know, for bigger ideas like protecting the environment that are, you know, that, like I said, what I do in Iowa affects the guy fishing in Louisiana. And like without that initial government investment, it's just, it's not going to happen. You can't connect those bubbles yeah, together. It, it, yeah. it just won't happen yeah. because people are not farsighted enough for it. I, I'm <laughs> always skeptical because what is a proper balance varies so much off of perspective. Sure. And then yeah. my perspective is different than yours and yours is different than Ryan's and ours is different from all kinds of people Absolutely. out there. So I don't know. I always go back and forth about it. Right. On a side note. All right. We're getting too serious. <laughs> so all these cover crops, they help with the water quality. Do you feel that these cover crops have enhanced the fish population of your pond? <laughs> um, I will say no, because our fish, our, our pond draws a lot of water from neighbors that don't use stuff. Mm. Um, and I, um, I, so tell us the secret then oh, to the 11 inch myth- <laughs> mythical, a lot of phosphorus. They got to <laughs> If you're going to grow a big bluegill, yeah, you're going to need a lot of phosphorus. Do they glow? <laughs> <laughs> what they eat does. Uh, man, I wish I knew, but ever since I can remember, we have had some monsters in our pond. And I was telling Ryan earlier, like I went out a couple weeks ago, ice fishing and tried to just catch some keepers to, to eat, but I didn't want to keep the giants. And it took me a long time to catch ones that I didn't classify as giants. (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared to ask. Like also since I've been in high school, I've heard about the Frederick Pond (laughs) and there I've seen pictures. There's 11 plus inch bluegill coming out of that pond at a pretty regular basis. I wouldn't try to find it because there's all sorts of like really nasty yeah, cheaters I mean, around booby, there. It's booby traps and like, you gotta put up with I've never been invited. I've, I've always heard the stories from really? others. I've never I've fished to... the Frederick Pond. I oh, you did once. That's yeah. right. Uh, I'm yeah. high class. You guys, are, you guys it, are invited. For sure. It is a tight-knit group that gets invited to that It pond should be. That's why we, there's fish. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, when I was in probably middle school we were a little more lax on it you know if you were a friend it's like yeah come on out and i got so tired of you know when they That's would the leave you had friends i well yeah i know <laughs> my college years were isolated i didn't know anybody <laughs> did you hear out of the pond back in hey green guys. county <laughs> <laughs> want to come over and catch some bluegill <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, like we would find, you know, like Mountain Dew bottles and, and plastic bags and stuff when people would leave. And See, this is the like, bullcrap story that I've heard my whole life. Like people complain about nobody getting access, but then you have somebody yep. who shows up and they do something like this or leaves a gate open and cows get out right. or yeah, just leaves trash everywhere or tries to, they like, I'm going to take a hundred bluegills out of here. <laughs> exactly. And then they hide the, leave the lids on their buckets and try to hide them and stuff right. like that's no. no, I get it. I get it. I, I hate that I have to get it, but I, I, yeah. I get it. So we have a policy now where it's like, okay, if you're not family, you are fishing with family or you're not there. And yeah. that, you know, like, it, I don't know. Maybe I want to say that's bullcrap, but it's you, it, you didn't start that way. That's the only no. thing that makes sense. It, no, no. It I would hold say the other, one, the other one makes sense if the people that you allow in there don't suck. 
Yeah. People suck. But that's, that's the thing. Like, to like they people, were. I'm a people. Yeah, you <laughs> suck too. I do. You know, it, it wasn't. <laughs> you're it wasn't not littering. The, suck. It wasn't. Suck. Right. It wasn't the people that we thought sucked that were doing it. But it's just like you know, people start thinking about different shit than you and I are thinking about. Yeah. And like, I hate it when I go to a boat dock and there's shit everywhere. Like, you don't have to tell me. Like, uh, I, I've tried. Me nuts. We carry bags just for that reason. Mm-hmm. We, we pick up bags of garbage I, before we pull out. I have access to hundreds of public or private ponds, like hundreds. Um, I grew up in Southern Iowa, which is kind of the beginning of the sure. pond belt. If you want to call yeah. it that up here, there's significantly less ponds, which hurts my bait catching regiment significantly, <laughs> but we won't get into that too much. But, uh, yeah, I could, I can fish a lot of different private areas and I choose to fish public just because of the different opportunities that it gives. But ha- that being said, the amount of trash, and this is a subject nobody wants to listen to, and it's been beaten to death. <laughs> but yeah, just the amount of trash is disgusting. It's so cool. I don't, I don't want to talk about it anymore because so, it's been beaten to death. Well, too back much. to eleven-inch bluegills. Yeah, a great, great segue. <laughs> yeah, how how, how much would it hurt you if uh, I borrowed twelve of them? Twelve? That you're not going to get them back. Boy, that seems like a lot. All right, twenty-four. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's barter. My my nephew caught three that were bumping that 12 inch mark <laughs> and got them mounted together and it's that's pretty, pretty cool. slick yeah, like that's pretty cool it's pretty cool the last 11 inch bluegill ran that i caught ran into the same instances as the all the other bluegills I caught. <laughs> <laughs> ten out hook, ten out hook in the bag <laughs> you know i have thought this though if you look at bluegill biology how they work people think that um you can keep big ones, throw the little ones back. Little ones grow up sure. to be big ones, but bluegills don't do that. A lot of the adults never reach uh, bull gill, if you want to call them that, yeah. um, size. A lot of them are what are termed satellites. These satellite males tend to top out, you know, five, six, seven inches in the way that it's just, it's such an interesting dynamic amongst the bluegill population. During spawning, the uh, female, um, well, the male, I believe it's the male, uh, or is it the female? I don't remember. One of them builds a nest. Then the female lays her eggs, and a male, usually the bull, the big ones, they are there and um, fertilize the eggs. And I'm sure I'm going to get all the details wonky, but the gist of it is that the larger ones before or during the fertilization process, they are lured away from the eggs, and the satellites jump in and then fertilize the those eggs, said eggs, Said, and, said batch. Right. So the result result is that these eggs fertilized by these satellites that are very small grow up to be more satellites than bulls. Hmm. And therefore, your population of bluegills isn't stunted because they're never going to get big. So you need well-focused bulls. Well, no, you just <laughs> you just need more bulls than satellites. <laughs> that is true. So yes. um, <clears throat> if you want to maintain a population of large bluegills, you can't keep those large bluegills or not a ton of them because it gives those smaller satellite males a chance to fertilize more sure. eggs. And then yeah. over time, that population would take control of a pond. In lakes, it's a little different because you have so much more real estate and so much more biodiversity. But right. in a smaller pond, the possibility of those satellites taking over is significantly higher i kind of always figured those big ones were females though i mean there are some larger females but you know a lot of those bigger ones especially ones with the cool colors that turn deep dark blue in the spawn those are all males man (laughs) those big lighter color ones are typically females 
So more of the story, I think you're in the right. I, yeah, and we definitely didn't do it by design, but I feel like we've always kind of done that. Like, ah, you're a you're a trophy. You're like, a trophy, go back yeah. and swim another day. Yeah, yeah you're a but, state record in the making. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll see you when you're 14. Yeah, it'd just be insane to see a 14 inch bluegill. But yeah, I, yeah. I mean, there was no like coordinated effort with my family to do that. But I, I mean, for 10 years we've caught bluegill like that in that pond. At least, yeah. For like sure. I was yeah. in oh, high school, yeah, so yeah, ni- late 90s. Been, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. So are you doing anything to, are you taking any fish out of the pond? Yeah, we always, I, my mom loves to fish mm-hmm. and she, she doesn't understand catch and release. So like she always, <laughs> like she's always cleaning fish. If she goes fishing, she's going to clean fish and she's the best fisherman of all of us. So she's going to clean a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> so bluegills get taken out. It's not oh, just yeah. a total catch and release effort. Yeah. Yeah, and the bass, and I, I I wish we had some lunker bass, but we, we've got a bunch of like 15 to 18. That's it, man. You just summed it up. You can't, but they can't. You can't have big bluegills no. and big bass in a pond. And if I have my choice, I'm going to take the big bluegill. Yeah. I love watching them. If I had a choice, I'll just go to the river. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's an instance where you can have big bass and bluegill um, both. Not in a pond that size. Yeah, not probably. in a two-and-a-half-acre yeah. pond. I'm sure there's an exception. Somebody would say there's an exception. Um, I've never seen the exception personally. A lot of people You're saying say I can a lot do better. Things. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not what impossible. Ass, Bill. <laughs> well, what I'm what I'm getting at though is what I've seen is the exact same thing you said. You either have a lot of schmedium bluegills and some giant bass, or you have giant bluegills and a ton of stunted bass or I, similar size bass. I don't think the bass can compete like long term with those giant bluegills. Like. In in our pond, you there's know, like, so only so many resources go around, right? Yeah. And they're uh, those big bluegill are just so aggressive that I think they're going to outfox them. I don't know. Uh, I I don't think it's that uh, one versus one uh, in that concept. I'm sure it's something that goes further down the food chain beyond just their interaction. Sure, but uh, I don't know what that is. Phosphorus. I'm not, I'm not a pondologist. <laughs> it's all about phosphorus. If it ain't glowing, it ain't growing. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> Let's talk about cows. What are you doing for your cows? What am I doing for them? Yeah. As far as as far as so you're like in you run a cover crop business for all of your you know, field crops, are you doing something similar for your cows? Or well, it just... turns into winter food, um, doesn't it? Y- yeah, um, they're kind of they're symbiotic. They, uh, uh, um, in this area where we're out of the hilly country, uh, there's not a ton of pasture, right? So pasture is, is a precious commodity, and it is a hard fight to get any rented. Um, so you kind of have to manufacture your own pasture and – the way we do that is with cover crops. So we can graze, you know, my, my cows were out on corn stalks until about beginning of January. And that was because there was six inch tall rye in there. Right. So they could yeah. sustain them. And it was, you know, it's lush, it's, it's full of nutrient, uh, high protein. Um, it can, it can hold those cows in there, even though it's dormant and, and it's way too cold for a grass to grow. Um, and then, here in a month we'll turn them back out and they'll have more grass than they can eat because in that in the spring that rye takes off so hard they can't keep up with it no matter i mean 
I could double my cows and not keep up with how much grass is going to grow. Are you uh, supplementing that during the winter with hay bales and stuff? Um, towards the end, I was. Yeah, before I, I mean they're all in a they're in a dry lot right now, and I'll kick them out during the day sometimes to go graze a little bit, but um, a little bit of hay. But you, you know, hay is crazy expensive right now. Yes, and so the less you can feed of that, the better. And so we're trying to get to like a three crop rotation on our farm where we're raising small grains and that frees you up to raise uh, more forage products um, and, and really lengthen your grazing period. So, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, so like we're raising a lot of oats and a lot of wheat, which doesn't happen in this neck of the woods. Right? Like yeah. Our neighbors think we're idiots. Um, well, as they pay for hay. <laughs> yeah, and we are. But, but you know, you harvest those uh, uh, oats and the wheat in July, and then I go back and I plant a grazing mix right into it. As soon as it catches a rain, it starts growing. And you can have, you can have grass where you can't see the cows in in October. Wow. And it's, it's super nutrient-dense. It's high-quality forage. Um, so you're just taking that stress off the pastures because in that late season, all I'm doing is fixing fence because cows are sticking their heads through trying to get to the other side of the fence because they're out of feed. Um, or the feed is so low quality um, that they don't want to eat it anymore. Yeah. So anything you so can do. So in your instance, the grass is greener on the other yeah, side. It definitely <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anything you can do to stretch that out, you know, it, it saves me a ton of time and a ton of labor just not fixing fence all the time because they aren't wanting something. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Well, Ryan wrote this note down. He said something about um, love the polar plunge. <laughs> Ryan, I'll let you elaborate on that. Well, after his, his last victory, an award he got, they made a uh, deal with some of their fans, some of their uh, voters, that if they won this award, they would do a polar plunge. Which award? The Farm Bureau. Yeah. Okay. Grow your future. Grow your future yep. award. So they stood true to their word, and it was, what, 20 below the week before? <laughs> yeah. When, when you won the award? The week before, yeah. Wait, so what water are you jumping in? Because last time I checked negative 20 waters yeah. pretty solid they yeah. uh, they waited a week <laughs> we're not dumb <laughs> well, that's still up in, up in question <laughs> yeah we waited until it was like uh 80 degrees warmer than it was the week so, before <laughs> which which was makes still, it 60 which yeah. was still yeah. below freezing <laughs> yeah which was a little rough because i was going to do it on the pond but like the outside five feet was water and i didn't want to like get wet getting out to dig a hole in the ice so i could jump yeah. in it so so we ended up going in the creek in one of our pastures that had some riffles that were open thank you beavers yeah you had water god bless the beavers <laughs> i hate beavers <laughs> i've heard that about it, you yeah right and i were talking about this too that that's the only reason our pastures had water this year was we had a couple of beavers build dam so like in the right spot they're good in nice. the bat, wrong spot they're bad anywhere i am they're bad jeez. Well, <laughs> I, I dislike more them. cows. The strict personal reasons, no, nothing from an environmental or ecological or you had a hard time economical with a standpoint. Oh, you got his ass. 
You got a uh, uh, bit by a beaver? No. Uh, no. <laughs> no I, I'd punch that beaver right in the face. <laughs> Did you get beaver slapped? No. <laughs> They're just annoyed when you're when you're trying to sleep in like two in the morning and then a beaver knows you're there and it just starts slapping right. its tail in the water over and over and over again. Or when you are fishing and a beaver eats your bait and you're fighting this <laughs> fish quotation <laughs> marks. It was and you awesome. think it's a giant fish and it then, was awesome. then it just quits fighting and <laughs> pops its head up and looks at you. Oh, like, no. <laughs> and there's a hook in the corner of its mouth. Like, oh, what am I going to do now? <laughs> and I could go on and on yeah. and on. There's a, there's a quite a tense rivalry yeah. between the two. <laughs> Long standing history. Me and muskrats are cool. Me and beavers, not so much. <laughs> there's a wanted poster in the every every hut. Anyway, well, we were talking about your pasture. Oh yeah, polar plunging. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there was some open water there. So you you polar plunged into the beaver pond. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's a good time. It wasn't it wasn't too bad except there was a shelf of ice like still on the bottom of the creek and it was like sandpaper. It was just just cut you up when you <laughs> landed on it. Water wasn't all that bad, but Yeah. No, my only experience with getting cut up in the water is getting flipped in a kayak. Running shark baits. <laughs> getting cut on sand instead of ice though. Right. I'll take my instance over yours anytime. But it's cool <laughs> that you held up your end of the deal. Yeah. Ryan's comment on that question, because I, I was wearing my old high school wrestling singlet to oh. do the polar plunge. <laughs> and he, I didn't what, notice that detail. What did he say? Uh, I believe it was the best performance <laughs> I've ever seen you in a singlet. I feel about that. <laughs> I know how I feel about just, it, and I I'm find just, it pretty funny. I'm just here to help. And... Hey, if you're someone who spends a lot of time outside, and since you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you probably are. Sunglasses are super important, and Waterlane sunglasses are my personal favorite. They're super comfortable. I mean, I have a pair on right now. can barely even tell they're there, other than the fact that you know everything's a little bit darker but seriously they don't pinch your head behind your ears like a lot of sunglasses do so you don't have to take them off every couple hours you know and massage that spot behind your ears wearing them all day is no big deal they have they have awesome lenses too i mean they cut glare like no other they're practically like putting on fish x-ray vision and you look great in them my favorite frames are the ashers i like how the sides are a little bit wider you know keeps that little bit more of that glare out of your eyes and helps you see in the water a little bit better and you don't have to squint your eyes all day and you, you don't have that fatigue which is is really nice and if you want to help support this podcast you can use promo code rc10 at checkout and that'll save you 10 percent off on your sweet sweet new shades and you'll help support the river certified podcast i really appreciate it So we've determined that your uh, best performance in a singlet was jumping in the water, but you were a coach for a long time. Yeah. I have five years of high school, yeah. What's, uh, I don't know. A couple times state qualifier, right? You went to uh, Wrestling Northwestern, yep. Yeah, Yeah. all right. I was just giving him a hard time. He's not a real joke in wrestling. I I was was definitely Just trying to lead that into (laughs) your coaching experience. (laughs) I don't know. You like coaching? Oh man, I I loved it. Um, I'd still be doing it, but I this damn business and the farm. But you love business more. No, it's just uh, well, you have to. I you I love business. No, I, I 
I don't love business more. I he love, loves to feed his family. I love providing for my family. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I uh, love my food. kids have I shoes. <laughs> the first year I coached wrestling as a head coach, I kept track of my hours. Oh, it's oh, I made twenty three cents an hour. <laughs> twenty three cents an hour is what I made high school it, wrestling. You coach. know, like wrestling is different because, and like wrestling in college, you guys know, like. You were gone all day Saturday. Yeah. And yeah. basketball players yeah. were like... A couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we got a game to go. tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is three, four hours a night, plus travel time, plus... Yeah, two duels a night. Stuff, yeah. Know. Dual time. Or two duels a week. And, and then, then tournaments on Saturday. A, all day Saturday. Yeah. And then you go help little kids, and then that's all day Sunday. I, I I get it. Yeah. Oh. I wonder if anyone listening to this gets it. Nobody. <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be a wrestler listening to this. There should be. Yeah. It. I mean, I I would love to go back though, but I. And and someday I still kind of hold out. You know, like maybe next year I'll be able to. But, um, yeah, I I don't want to half-ass it. And the last couple of years that I was in there, I was only able to make it. 50 60 percent of the time and i didn't that feel like might that be was pushing fair. it the no. years i was in there yeah it was it was tough like you know like november december i'm swamped still yeah, right january february i'm relatively good to go and it's just it's just not fair to the kids really and so i just backed off i get it man i totally get it it's fun it's rewarding i coach wrestling i volunteer i coach wrestling throughout the whole season as a full-time assistant full-time head coach for eight years last year i was an assistant and this year i didn't make it in the room at all mm-hmm. partly due because i i would be a, a volunteer and partly due because of uh covid right so if i'm not on the staff then i didn't see the reason for me to be in the room but uh next year i, I hope to get in the room a little bit I miss it <clears throat> i do yeah 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 i keep pulling out like i, I kind of stay in, t- in touch with the coaches here and like I'd love to get back in the room, and I just, uh, it's a weird thing to think, oh, what if I wrestled for the last time in my life last year? No. Yeah. You know, two years that's ago, whatever it was. That, that's how I'm going to die. It's a lot of fish, and it gets in your bones, and then you just, you can't shake it. Yeah. yeah. You the, got any, well, you said fishing. You got any fishing trips planned? Um, nothing like in the books. I I feel kind of stupid because I'm a I'm a fly fisherman. Um, I bought a fly rod <clears throat> just recently. Like, Does that make uh, you more or less July. stupid? <laughs> That's a fair question. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say is you you're not just stupid. You're an idiot. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> well, as long as I'm in company, I don't really care. Uh, yeah, and I but like I I usually I used to go out west basically every year and and make a trip out there. Oh, I'm not a fly fishing for stupid trout. <sighs> I got a nine weight, so I can catch hybrids. No, I'm catching hybrids on it. How, how many catfish have you caught on your fly rod? I haven't caught a fish on my fly rod yet. Have you used it yet? I took it one day, and the hybrids were busting at least 150 feet away, and I can't you cast the streamer that far. <laughs> could not get there. I yeah, I don't know. I uh, I've caught a handful of channel cat. Just on accident in the wrecking room, just like yeah. well, we went floating in the canoe. Like I'm like, surprised they're them. ravenous in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I 
I've never been to the Driftless in Iowa yet. What? Which is you stupid. go to Colorado, but you don't go to Northeast I know. Iowa? I haven't been in my own backyard yet, which is stupid. There are bigger trout in the Driftless, bigger browns in the Driftless than there yeah. are in Colorado. Yeah. So I'm hoping uh, maybe before planting season to get out there, but I don't have anything mm-hmm. scheduled. It's it's just, When I go, it's just going to be like, oh, I'm going right now, and I'll be back yeah. in three days. Well, are you still swamped in November and December? Yeah. Yeah, as I say. It sucks. Well, when everything starts to ice up here, a lot of those streams stay open right. up there, and people <clears throat> catch them throughout the winter. Yeah, I, I'm on a group in Facebook, and I see them pulling trout out of there yeah, just about all year round, and yep. it's pretty cool. And, and so, yeah, I, I can get there. I just haven't prioritized yet. So Fair enough. So if you had one trip where you're like, this is what I'm going to plan for in the future, what would that be? Oh. Um, maybe like a reunion tour uh, of – northern idaho i really loved it out there when were you there um i can't remember if it, it was either college or right after college i met a, i got a buddy that lives in washington state and we just drove out there and met out there and slept in the cars and hung out in the middle of nowhere and you know you wake up and you're in this big mountain valley so like the sun comes up at 10 o'clock in the morning because the mountains are huge. Really? That, <laughs> like, that, I, that concept never even crossed oh, my mind. It's crazy, yeah. And then so you've got, you know, like from 9 o'clock to 11.30, you go catch fish, and then they cool off when the sun gets high. And so you go back and you read a book and you make supper or you make dinner. And What's um, a book? Oh, <laughs> it's kind of like, so if you get the ones with the pictures in them, they're really cool. <laughs> Still never heard of one. I'll <laughs> take your word on it. Kind of lay around, and then and then 3 o'clock, you go back out, and you try and catch some more trout, and then 5.30, the sun goes down, because there's giant-ass mountains all over you. <laughs> That's crazy. And then you just hang out and drink whiskey and have a good time and play guitar, and it's awesome. God, you're such a hippie. I, I like it a lot. It's so good, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you throw eating a roadkill possum into that story, I'm there. Well, you're speaking. We definitely do that. You're speaking to me because I slept in my truck for three days last weekend. So. <laughs> and that's just a normal weekend. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's Yeah, I kind of miss, a, like, I don't go solo a lot because I don't get a lot of time off. And so when I do take a vacation, I usually take my wife and I've got two little girls. And so it's like the dynamic is totally different now where I don't, I can't just do that just go just go yeah. and sleep in rest areas and i try to uh, at I least sleep once in a year rest areas you don't want to get knifed or no, what no. <laughs> i'll sleep in a he park. might meet a guy that's taller than him <laughs> <laughs> there's just nowhere to go from there right yeah <laughs> so yeah um i won't sleep in rest room areas uh i i prefer campgrounds that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I prefer sandbars. Well, <laughs> I'll just sure. find a sandbar. Not when. Well, Thursday night when I was out there, I woke up and all the windows were frosted in my truck. I did not want to be sleeping right there. <laughs> There's no way. Right. I drew a smiley face on the window when I woke up. That's, Felt like that's I was twelve. <laughs> that's, that is interesting. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to. I haven't really. Uh, supposedly, there's a lot of good fly fishing out in like Ohio, Pennsylvania area. I've never been out there fly fishing. Steelhead, so, man. Um, 
I'd like to get out there, I guess, but nothing in the works yet. Yeah. Just need want, time to slow down. I want to go to Milwaukee, <laughs> catch steelhead in Milwaukee. They run up them creeks in the, in the uh-huh. fall and winter, and you can run just float rigs with sponsacks or run center pin rods with the same thing, and I'm sure you could catch them on a fly rod too. But sure. I, I, I'm going to dabble in fly fishing. I think it'd be fun to catch like a 5- to 10-pound hybrid striper oh, on one of them. Be. Sure. But that may be an all-day ordeal. <laughs> Well, nine, you nine, get ten foot, they no, take fifteen. No, nine nine weights got the beef, man. Like I'm gonna be running a fourteen to twenty pound leader on them. It's not gonna be baby them because no. there's sometimes where you can't give them any line. And I didn't buy the most expensive fly rod, so if I cut the spool and snap a rod, I'm not gonna lose a whole lot of sleep over it as long as the line <laughs> right. don't break and it wasn't a twenty pounder. But I think I think it'd be sweet. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. I'm just imagining myself on the front of my boat. Trolling motor down, just and then all these hybrids just smoking shit on top of the water, and, right. I and me this. catching three to one to your fly rod right beside you. Well, I, I tell you what, I I will catch more fish on our pond with my fly rod. Than oh, is this? A, I guarantee. No it. way. I guarantee. No. It. How much are we betting on it? Whatever you want. Case push light. The only factor is going to be that you're going to be able to reel in faster than me. I don't care about factors. We're just talking about quantity yeah. of fish. Now we you're got, making excuses already. We have, have, we have a watch. We yeah. have a number of I'll fish. I'll put this up. <laughs> yeah. You're putting Ryan's <laughs> money up on this? <laughs> Are you saying Ryan's money or that quantity of money? Uh, no, 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 no. That money. No, I just <laughs> said a case of bush light and you ran away. Oh, I'm not... I can't be seen buying bush lights. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> course we don't need to get into economics of the farmer here. <laughs> then we'll be making all kinds of people mad. I I stand by it. 100 bucks? No, I'd rather do the bush, bush light. Now you're going back. I say <laughs> You need to make up your damn mind. Let a mare go around going have out you, here. Have you ever uh, fly fish for carp? That's like Which is punching no, yourself in the forehead. No, man. No, no, I'm not saying, I'm not looking down on it. I'm saying the difficulty of hooking a carp on a fly rod and landing makes you want to punch yourself in the face. That's how I feel every time I do it, yeah. <laughs> but quit changing so the subject tomorrow. It's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Are we paying 100 bucks on this or what? I don't care. That's fine. That was not I fully need- vested. I need a yes or a no. I just want to fish your god dang pot. Oh... How Are we about, putting a case of bush light? Yeah, we'll do a, we'll do a case. Yeah, that'll be fine. All right, case of bush light on it. All right. Half hour, most bluegills wins. Oh, you're you're in so far over your head right you now. It's stupid. You don't understand how sneaky good of a bluegill fisherman I am. I, you know, do you know what I do? I don't catfish most of the summer. I catch bait most of the summer. <laughs> yeah, but you're catching like four-inch bluegill, and it's no. a different species. You obviously don't know what, I'm, what I do. <laughs> You know what I did I with the last 17-inch crappie I caught? I put him on a hook. You know what I did with the last 12-inch bluegill I caught? I put him on a hook. You're like... Savage. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, you're like the, like... You're living too good where you don't have to eat those fish, I think. You're I don't just feel so... like this makes a difference on my catching ability. <laughs> Time's money. I think the, it's, the quicker I catch my bait, the sooner I'm out. The sooner I'm out, the more I'm catfishing. I'm doing. So, moral of the story is, I'm a better bluegill fisherman than you. Dedicated more time. <laughs> I'm more in the moment. Like you don't stand a this chance. This is the first time I've ever heard anyone shit talk 
about bluegill fishing. I feel like <laughs> more of I'm a story. Impressed. I am like all you have to say right now. You might as well buy the case of bush light now. You understand? You understand that the fact that you're seventy pounds heavier than me That's doesn't nice. factor into bluegill fishing, right? Like <laughs> the fact you had to bring that up means you're scared. <laughs> So you might as well just buy the beer now because it's done. I just want Signed, to sealed, delivered. Oh, I want to fish his pond. I I don't care if I catch <laughs> twice as many as you guys, which I will. Yeah. But I just I want to catch. I tell you what, I'll double the pond. bet right now. Okay. My mom will go out there with a bobber and roughly uh, fourteen inches of night crawler on her hook. Yep. And outfish us both. Guarantee she won't. I'll beat her, too. I'll beat everybody. I don't care. Uh, God, it must be nice to be so delusional. No. I just have a good perspective on reality. You know, this gives me one more reason to just pray for ice out. Come on. on. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm in. This will be broadcasted in some form. This will be a video. In some form. And anybody who's listening to this, when I win, you can pat me on the back all you want. (laughs) When I lose, you don't have to worry about that. When Bill's mom destroys you, I'm going to laugh and laugh. So how's this going to work? Well, it doesn't matter because I'm going to win. So (laughs) It's going to bring up the what ifs, but there is no what if I'm going to win. I I agree with you on part of that. Okay. All right, so this is yes. pretty much the end. Um, what uh, the last cast? You got your final last thoughts? Cast. Anything you want to weigh in on? I feel like we beat the bluegill competition to death, so we can probably yeah. do something else. I'm sure it was riveting conversation. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Uh, this is the most excited I've been this whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, from from the farmer slash fisher perspective, I. Th- there's a ton of fishers out there that if they don't own land, they know they have friends that do, they have family that does, right? And in my, Iowa, just to clarify, yeah, in yeah, Iowa, yeah, 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 right. In other and, places, probably not so much, sure. or maybe more so, but definitely in Iowa, that's real. Sure. And uh, I feel like a lot of the landowners, most most of the land in Iowa is owned by um, seventy to eighty five year old women, yeah, right? widow yep, women, yep. Um, and they just don't know a lot about what is going on. So if you like clean streams, um, push these conservation tactics because there's nothing that is going to have a bigger impact on water quality than agriculture. So if you know people that have control over that land like they're pulling the strings right like they get to call the shots if the farmer doesn't want to use cover crops the landowner can say you're going to use cover crops or you're gonna i'm gonna rent it to somebody else and they'll do it because it's that competitive an environment so i would encourage uh people to get with these people and just sit them down and talk to them and, and inform them on what you know and learn as much as you can so you can have a decent conversation about it and uh, and then talk to your to your legislators because they're, especially in the next few years, they're going to have a ton of influence on what goes on. So, And my caveat at the end of that is don't just take our word for it. You know, like I'm obviously biased because I like the idea of clean water and I'm motivated because I like to catch fish and I think the higher, like the better water quality we have, the better environment we're going to have, the better habitat we're going to have, the better fishery we're going to have in the Midwest. So I'm biased. And 
and uh, uh, we're we're all biased in some capacity. Yeah. I mean, you're you have a business vested in this, sure. Ryan, sitting in the same seat as I am. So yeah, I mean, uh, I I've, I've been in nature as much as I've been out. You know, it's that's one thing I strive for is to make it a better place, and sure. this is one venue that that is proven and will prove to do that. So, yeah. so my, my point being is don't just take our word for everything. Do your own independent research and formulate your own opinions. And these are just some perspectives for you to consider. And I hope you consider them. Um, but don't just rest on that, you know, formulate your own, own ideas. That's kind of my, my last and, cast and tune sure. in to the bluegill special. Yeah. Oh God, get ready. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever seen Spencer, like he's been really pissed at beavers before, but he's going to be so embarrassed by the end of this. When your mom just destroys him. <laughs> Bill saw me fish one time through the ice like seven years ago. He's about to have a rude awakening. I'm, I'm, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm not very good at very many things, but I'm one hell of a bluegill oh, fisherman. I, I don't even want to rehash it. It's only a matter of how fast I can pull him in. That's all the. That's the only. Well, and I formulated factor. all my bluegill fishing based on how fast I can pull them in. <laughs> the sooner I get two dozen, the sooner I'm catfishing. <laughs> I feel like we beat this up, but anyway, Ryan. Right. Ryan Thanks uh, for having me. You guys are yes. great. I appreciate what you're doing. I had a blast, Bill. That was, it was a good time. Thanks for the hats. Also, yeah. he brought us some some promo hats. Gonna be. I'm not wearing them. I am. Just wear the hats. They're coming to Texas. The Cubs are going to be like 500 this year. Just wear that, those hats. I've, I've been wearing that hat since. Well, actually, no. I, there's a backstory to that hat, but I have to wear it now. They won the World Series. I have to wear it now. All right. Yep. I'm with you. Yeah. You, you'll see a video sometime of our trip to Texas next week. I'll have your hat on. Nice. If you well, catch a hundred, week, right? If you catch a 130 pounder, I will put that hat on. <laughs> Oh my god! They're let's, down let's there. Drop it You're down. Gonna, okay, hold on. Let's drop it down to ninety-five and up. Case of bushlight, and you're gonna wear my hat for a week when I beat you. That's a big if. <laughs> when? When yeah. was? I didn't hear an if. <laughs> you might have heard an if. I did not hear an if. You need to understand how the English language works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a hundred pounder and up. I'll wear the hat. Perfect. And if, if not, I got three new hats. So thanks. Yeah, so. there goes fifteen dollars <laughs> down the drain. <laughs> they will show up in in Riverside video, River certified video. I promise you. And if um, Snowball, you know, can withstand the heat of hell, and you beat me somehow miraculously with a fly rod catching bluegills, I'll I'll wear that for a week. I might only use the top half of the fly rod. I don't understand. Now he's cane pulling. Just the, uh, just he's, the, he's going to cane pull you. Four and a half feet. Yeah. What's that? What's that called? Where um... showboating? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> Tinkara. Like the, yeah, no, Tinkara. Yeah, Tinkara yeah, is what I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> no, you have to use the whole rod. Okay. Actually, it doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. I'm still going to beat you. Okay. Bring dynamite, I'll still win. <laughs> I'm thinking about a Saint Net, actually. <laughs> Saint Net and a can of corn. <laughs> Ryan, you got anything or what? I I don't. I mean, we uh we had a pretty good show. It was a good time. Had a blast. 
Um, like I said, I, the only thing on my mind right now is is heading south. You know, we we got a trip coming up. I'm getting my equipment ready, getting my camping gear ready. I'm I'm excited to to really start catfishing for for 2021. This will be my first catfish trip. So we're going to get the ball rolling, and when we come back after our trip, the river should be opened up, get some early ice channel cat, and it just kind of, the season's upon us. I'm excited. We will have baits in the water for 84 hours. Yeah. Chasing blues. Yes. 84 hours. Yeah. And and not in blue territory. We're talking a chance at a 100-pounder. Or could bigger. bite, could bite at any moment. There's a that's the territory that we're in. I would bet more. I would say there's a higher chance. Like I'm pretty much guaranteed at beating Bill in this bluegill competition. But there's a higher chance <laughs> of me be higher than me beating Bill. Is there's a 150 pounder in this place we're going. There's a higher chance than than what I'm talking about. Me. So so you're sitting there, and when you blue catfish, and it's almost guaranteed higher than ten percent. Is it anything to brag? (laughs) (laughs) Well, but add another zero on there, and it's over a hundred percent chance. There's a hundred and fifty pound blue cat here. But when you're at this place and you're sitting there, and every blue cat just slams the rod. So it could be a twenty pounder. It could be a hundred. I disagree. A hundred percent. A, a, a big blue smokes around way different than a, a 20 pounder. Still. But I get what you're saying. So when that tip of the rod moves in an instant, it could be a 20 pounder. It could be a 100 pounder. It could be. Yeah. That chance is there. It there's, is. there's not many places you can fish where you say that could be a 100 pound fish. Yeah. There's about. And that's why we drive 13 hours? 10. 10? Yeah. I'd drive 13. <laughs> <laughs> I've driven the 13 to another body of water that also has giant blues in it like that, too. But, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm excited. I've caught I've caught him over 70 there. Ryan got a 60 last year. So yep. hopefully there's a video or two. Or, I mean, I, in a perfect world, it'll be like six, seven, eight videos from there. But yeah. we'll see. It's exciting. I'm stoked. It's going to be a good time either way. But I might be more excited to beat Bill catching blue kills. <laughs> that's a lie. We know that's a lie. Yeah, yeah. That's a guarantee. The blue cat over 100 pounds always up in the air. It's going to be a great day when that happens. Any response, Bill, before we close her down? Ah, I wish you guys luck. That's what, that's what it's all about is the unknown, right? Yes. I love the adventure, and that's why yeah. I don't like farm ponds. Yeah, for sure. There, there's limitations there. That's for sure. Um, but now let's, uh, you know, we when we started the business, we started it on the pond. James and I would get together weekly, and we would go fishing, and we'd go swimming, and we'd go canoeing, and hang out. And we said, "Hey, we like this, and we like farming. Let's let's meet them meet in the middle." So yeah. sounds like win win win. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Thanks for coming on, Bill. Thanks, cool. buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Appreciate everybody who took the time to listen. If you enjoyed it, please, if you're on iTunes, take the time to uh, do a review. If you want to check out um, some of my videos, they're on YouTube, River Certified on YouTube. we got social media, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. we got merchandise for sale at rivercertified.com. got hats, hoodies, 
got uh, the boonie hats, or isn't that what they're called, where they got the wide brims? Yeah. Mm. Call them the boonie hats. Got all that stuff. Um, if you want to support us that way, I really appreciate it. But it, at more, the end of the more day. More importantly, any hate mail that goes to Spencer goes to? Spencer at RiverCertified.com. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a problem with me or Ryan or Bill, shoot it that way. Anything. Send Brigo Catching Instructions to Spencer Bauer at... <laughs> Any any bluegill instructions you'd send to me, I wrote them anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, thanks for watching. Really, or watching, listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks, hope, guys. Yep, hope you catch giant. Now in Waypoint TV's 2023 Series Showdown. Your favorite hunting and fishing shows are going head-to-head. Visit waypointtv.com to vote and be entered to win a giveaway from Element Outdoors. Cast your votes during each round until the champions are crowned. Get in the game and vote in the Series Showdown. Presented by Expedition Enterprises and Vote Trader. Only at waypointtv.com. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.